to the Worship Leader Essentials podcast brought to you by Worship Catalyst. We are here to help leaders learn how to do more with less. For more information or engage with us, please visit worshipcatalyst.com. We're so glad you're here today. Let's learn together. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Worship Leader Essentials podcast. As usual, I am your host, Austin Ryan, and I'm uh, excited today because we're going to have a first of what we will do many times, and that is a question and answer podcast. These are from real live worship leaders asking real live worship questions. And, you know, over the years, we've mentored hundreds of worship leaders. And one of the things that we tell them all the time is always ask questions. Every leader should always ask questions about every topic, every situation that they're in. When we stop asking questions, we actually say about that, uh, that topic or whatever that is, that we have decided to quit learning about that. We should be more curious and less convinced about anything that we're doing so that we can always learn. Look at the smartest people in the world. They're the ones asking the best questions. They're always thinking about the next question and the next question and the next question. I mean, you look at Elon Musk and SpaceX. What do they do every single day? They ask questions that nobody's asked before so that they can get to the future. He's one of the smartest people on earth, but he's one of the best question askers on earth, and they continue to improve at everything that they do. So we're going to answer a few questions today, and hopefully that'll spur on some more questions that you have. Always ask questions. Okay, before that, though, um, our worship uh, scripture verse of the week is 1 Chronicles 29.11. It says, Yours... Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Here's the simple thing. Adore God. Just like this writer of 1 Chronicles he says, the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor and everything in heaven is there. Just, he's just adoring God. He's basically, you know what he's doing? I think of adoration as telling God who he is. It's like, God, you already know who you are, but I'm just going to repeat it anyway. And, you know, we've got these ways of praying sometimes. You've probably heard of acts, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, or pray, which is praise, repent, ask, yield, And those are awesome, and there's probably a lot more like that. But I think what's missing in these, not in those, but in the way that we apply those sometimes, is this time where we just praise God. We just adore God for who He is, and we tell Him who He is. In our prayer times, in our times alone with God, we do a lot of asking, and we might do a lot of thanking, and hopefully some repenting, but it's important to just stop and just adore God for who He is. Tell Him who He is. So like, think about that, like praise his name and his power and his splendor and his majesty and his glory and his greatness and his character and his holiness and and his beauty. And if you're wondering, like maybe that's a sticking point for you, you're not exactly sure what to do. Maybe one thing to do is to think about one characteristic of God. When you spend time with, with him this morning or tomorrow morning or whatever, just think of one characteristic of God, like for instance, his power and just rest in that, okay? So what is it about your power? What demonstrates your power, God? You like created all things with your with a word. And just all the way back to Genesis, man, you created all things in a moment, just a word. The mountains that we see display the power of God. 
the crashing waves display and demonstrate the power of God. Just think about that. The vastness of the universe displays the power of God. And the other thing is to use scripture. Um, think about like the name. Maybe you're just going to focus on the name of God one day in your, in your time alone with God. And you, you would be like, uh, your name is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and find shelter. Or maybe you would say, God, your name is above every other name. You're at your name. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Your name is blessed. Maybe the names of God you sometimes read, like Jehovah Jireh, you know, the provider he is to you. And Jehovah Nisi, you're my, you're the banner that, that your banner of love over me. And Jehovah Rapha, you're the healer in my life and everything I need and the healer of the world. So maybe just some help there. Like First Chronicles where, and we see this all throughout scripture where there's just moments of, like where everything takes a break and they just adore God for who he is and just state it back to him. So think about that. Tell God who he is. It reminds us that we are under him and he is over us when we say things like that. So anyway, that's it. First Chronicles 29, 11. All right, we're gonna dive into some of these questions and answers uh, today. And so um, I am thankful that for the first time we have with us in the studio, we have my wife, the voice of the Worship Catalyst podcast. Our Worship Leader Essentials podcast. That is Cammie Ryan. Cammie, good to have you. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. Cammie, a 25-year bride of mine. Love her very much. And uh, we have a 16-almost-year-old uh, daughter and uh, kind of going through that stage of we life do. here. We do, yes. Any day now. Any day. She'll be 16 and uh, then she'll be Another driving driver. soon. Yeah, crazy. So anyway, uh, Cammie has been uh, scouring through and uh, picking out a few questions for us this week. Uh, that we can dive into. So, Cami, what do you got? Great. Okay. Well, we'll get started right away. Uh, this first question, I think all of us can probably relate to because when we're leading on a weekly basis, it's often discouraging for us sometimes if we can't see visible life change um, on a weekly basis. But we know that, you know, sometimes that just doesn't happen every week. So how do you stir up the passion for souls? Man, this came from a worship leader? <laughs> yeah. I love this question so much, man. If we don't have a passion for people who are far from God to see them come to faith in Christ, we really don't have any reason to be a worship leader. Like if our driving day by day is not to see lost people come to know Christ, then we need to find a different you know, business to be in. Um, I've got a few thoughts on this. One of them is pray for people by name. Like Beaten, and the second one is be around people that don't know Jesus and then pray for them by name. And, and, and pray for the passion. Like, God, give me a passion to be, um, you know, to see uh, people come to know Christ. Give me a passion of, uh, uh, to see, uh, to know more lost people and to build my life around people that need Jesus. Um, another one is to see people the way that God sees them. Like, that's another prayer matter is, God, may I see people the way that you see them. Like, may, help me to love everybody I see everywhere I go all day long. Um Another one is to be around people who are really passionate about sharing their faith and sharing the gospel with people. I've got a couple of people like that in my life. Whenever I'm around them, just in normal life, we're like we're at a 7-Eleven and they're sharing the gospel with somebody on aisle four. Seriously. You know, and it always just makes me want to be, yeah. be that. I want to be a soul winner. You know, I just, that's who I want to be when I'm around those people. So find some people that are like that and just beg them to let you tag along. And the last one is to see the mission 
of of the kingdom, you know, like people getting into the kingdom of God as a lens that you do everything through and not just like a thing that you sometimes do or a job that you have. So like when you wake up in the morning, who are you? I'm a worship leader. No, wrong answer. Who are you? I'm a guy that works at this job. Wrong answer. Who are you? I'm an evangelist. I'm a missionary. I wake up today on my mission field and I start to find people who need to hear Jesus and I share that with them. Yeah, I love that. Just that personalization of praying for people by name that you mentioned. That's just so key there to making it real. Okay, next question. Can you be over-theological in your crowd talk? Over-theological. Okay, so yeah, um, that's a good one. Uh, most worship leaders aren't super theological probably anyway. <laughs> Depends so, on where in the country you might be living. Right, <laughs> that's true. Uh, there are pockets of great heavy theology yes. even among worship leaders. So um, it's, that's a great question because I think we go through this process as worship leaders where the first goal and when you're a new worship leader, is just don't suck. Like, don't <laughs> totally screw up, right? I mean, it's uh, if we can just make it through these two or three songs without huge mistakes, it's a win. And then we kind of get into that deal where we pass up that level and we start wanting to talk and share things, but then we just talk, 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 or we, you know, we just kind of like, you know, throw up on the crowd and we don't know how to land the plane and stuff like that. And then finally we get to this one where it's not really so much about what we know and what we want to share, but it's, how can we help the people that are in those seats on a Sunday encounter Jesus? And so, and realize that it's the Holy Spirit's job to do all of that connecting. And our job is to just make sure that those people who are in that congregation have a really good on-ramp to have communion with the Lord. So I don't think it's the worship leader's job to drill down deep into, you know, the priesthood of the believer and, you know, some of these theological statements that we might have or your church might think. But I think our job is to just get people connected with Christ and let the Holy Spirit do the work. That's great. That's really good. I think that leads to this next question perfectly. When you're personally in a spiritual slump, what are some things you can do? Yeah, that's a great question. I just got asked this question the other day by a worship leader, actually, and, um, the number one thing in my life for that, and we've all got our own things, but the number one question for me is, am I in an accountable relationship with someone who's holding me accountable to spending time with God? Because whether we feel like it or not, it's always good to be around Jesus. So we need somebody that can speak into our lives and say, hey, have you, have you been with Jesus this week? And you don't want to answer no, and so you've kind of been around him. And if we're just around God, long enough, he's going to kind of give us that, give us that fervor back, that, that joy back, or that desire back to be with God. So I would say that's number one. Um, an another one is to make a list of the things that you've ever done that have connected you with God or Jesus. So, man, I remembered three years ago, I was on a beach and I had this amazing moment with God. Write that down. I remember I was reading this book um, about this, you know, this guy who, you know, whose life was changed by Jesus. Write that down. I feel closer to God in the middle of the night than I do in the middle of the day. Write that down. And whatever those things are, you might have 10 or 15 of those that you remember specific moments or just general concepts, and then build your schedule around those things. 
man, I know I got to get to the beach once a year. Or if you live close to the beach, once a week. Um, I know that I've, you know, if these are on your list, you know, I know that I need to spend time with God at 11 o'clock at night and not 11 o'clock in the morning or whatever it might be. And so I would say build your schedule around the things that you know connect you with God. And then that pattern will eventually hopefully get you um, out of that slump. But it doesn't mean you don't lead because you can lead out of a place of weakness. You just have to make sure that our weakness is not based on sin, but our weakness is based on something else. Because if it's on sin, we need to do a lot of repenting before we go and lead worship. So more time at the beach then, you would say? That's what I always. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay, so here's one that we get often. I've heard this from worship leaders often. What would you use as a guideline for what's relevant right now? What's what's old school and what's trending? Yeah, that's really good, man. A lot of, uh, one of the things that we teach, Cami uh, and I and, uh, and other people on our team, we do a lot of teaching about creativity and that worship leading should not be mundane and boring and same old, same old week after week. And there's a lot of reasons for that. That's for another podcast. But that might mean that we're introducing other art forms into a worship experience or other things that we experiment with. It may be something like a like video production or it may be drama or it may be photography or it might be dance or it might be interviews or it might be testimonies or it might be, you know, on-site teaching somewhere else done on video or whatever it might be. And we've got, you know, there may be a hundred different things. And so a lot of times what younger worship leaders do especially is that's a little overwhelming or they don't like that. And so they say, well, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to sing these songs and listen to a sermon and do that every week. And so we've kind of been processing that and figuring out how do you figure out what's relevant? Well, the first thing that we have to do personally is we have to try to release our own bias. Okay, so, well, I don't really like dancing. Well, that doesn't mean that dancing isn't a good thing for your church. Well, I love dancing. We should dance every Sunday. That does not mean it's a good thing for your church. Your own personal bias has got to somehow the best we can get out of it. Secondly, we have to look to see what our congregation watches and attends. Okay, so, you know, it could be that your congregation is a huge sports congregation. You got teams around, they go to college games and pro games or whatever it is. And so you might be thinking, well, what is it about sports that we can integrate into our services to help people like, you know, like learn in really good ways and, and engaging ways where they are focused? And then the third one is look to see what your city watches and attends. And it may be some of the same things, but it may be different. It could be that you're in a city that's like super artsy and they go to concerts all the time. They go to, you know, theater all the time or whatever it might be. And or it may be something totally different, but like become a student of the people in your city that don't go to your church because we want when they do come to your church, we want them to experience, you know, something that they already enjoy and something that they already are in the habit of learning from so that they can learn about Jesus in that way. And then fourth, I would just say, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, like what I mean, so let's go back to dance. Okay, it's a good example. So let's say you're like, okay, I hate dance and the congregation hates dance. So we're never gonna do dance. Awesome, good job. The problem is that what a lot of times what people do is they go, we're never gonna do dance. Okay, and because we're never gonna do dance, we're never gonna do anything creative. We're just gonna throw the whole thing out and we're just gonna preach and sing. And what we would say is, just like look at these individually, not as a group. It's not like, it, you know, we don't just say we don't like one thing, so we're not going to be creative at all. So, 
And, and just remember that sometimes the things that you don't like, other people do like. And so be a student of people. I was thinking about that with, I just read a thing on Broadway, uh, about Broadway. Of course, it's, you know, 2020, uh, a complete loss. But in 2019, it was $1.8 billion of Broadway. And that's the largest that had ever been before. And there's like 10 straight years of increase of people going to theater. Why is that? It's probably because they hate theater so much that they're going and spending $1.8 billion. <laughs> I'm sure that's it. Yeah, it can't be that. I mean, it's like, it's a huge deal. And so, but what have we done in most churches is we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater and we don't even care what communities, what the way that people think anymore. So anyway. Yeah, that's I mean, a, if we just take a look at what has trended on TV watching over the summer with the quarantine and shutdown, I mean... Hamilton was one of the largest right. viewings ever on TV, a Broadway musical. So Totally. Like, I think, like shut down the whole internet from people watching yeah, so much Hamilton. Seriously. And I mean, I and talking about relevance, I mean, to me, if it creates identification or breaks down people's defenses, mm. then yeah, it's relevant and we can use it in a service. Ooh, yeah. So, you got to redefine relevance. Yeah, for that's, sure. That's good. Okay. Here's the next one. Ready? Yep. Do you have a formula when you introduce and drop new songs? A formula. Um, so, yeah, everybody's kind of got their own pattern for this probably. Um, you know, I'll just go quickly kind of what we've seen a lot of churches do. And that is to have kind of a number one list of like 25 songs-ish, somewhere in that range. And that's like list one. And then maybe there's another list of songs that you just don't do as much anymore. Uh, that would be list two. And uh, that list can be way bigger or, or whatever, but you still might pull them in every time. It's not like you never do them. And the reason is because it seems like the healthy amount of number of songs that the majority of churches try to introduce is somewhere between 10 and 15 new songs in a year. So let's just say that's 12, you know, one song a month kind of thing. Well, if you're going to introduce 12 new songs in a year, then that means that probably 12 songs that are older need to go to list number two. And um, it, it, like I said, doesn't mean you don't sing them, just don't bring them in uh, as often. And, and the reason for that is because, you know, just think if you had a list of 100, man, we worked with churches before that said, well, show us your list. And there's literally 200 songs on that list. And I'm like, how do you know which ones to sing? And so if they start going through and they're doing four songs a week or whatever, I mean, that would take, you know, a year and you would sing every single song just one time. And so it's better if you've got a smaller group of tunes because when people learn them, like they they get them, it takes a it takes somebody a long time. If you think about a person learning a song for the first time to really get to the point where they feel comfortable singing it in a crowd, and then to the point where they actually will engage with God with that song, that's usually not the very first time they hear it. So it's good to have a smaller group of songs that we repeat more often, but that then we rotate out uh, every couple of years. Yeah, and then there's those songs that you probably just want to like bury, right? Because they just aren't going to work. We put those on list three. Well, list, yeah. So list three is like, uh, it's got two groups of songs in it. It's got the songs that you tried that didn't work. And that may actually be list never. <laughs> but list three would be ones that you really, hey, we're probably not going to sing this song yeah. ever again, you know? And so we put it back there. And it could be like there's was one random service. This happened to us recently. Yeah. Uh, we have a song deep into list three 
uh, called He Knows My Name by Tommy Walker from the 19th circa early 90s or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it just fit for this perfect moment in our service that we did as kind of a performance, like like a prayer song that people could just sit and listen and, and close their eyes. And so that we bring them up occasionally, but there is a third list that you probably don't touch. Yeah. Okay. So once you've decided which songs you're going to sing, you know, what's on that list one, what are those 25 rotating songs, you know, whatever that looks like for your your congregation, your crowd, how do you introduce them? Oh, that's good, man. Uh, a lot of different ways to do this well, I think. Um, but I would always focus, make sure that we're focusing on putting them in the right spots the first time we do them. So like really think about what is the lyric of the song? How does it tie into the kind of the, the story of this service that we're putting together and put it in just that right spot and then talk through what the song means. So tell a story about it. Why is it important? Read a scripture around it. Set the song up to succeed. And then we always introduce a song and sing it two weeks in a row. And then we skip a week and then we sing it on the fourth week. So we do it three times in four weeks. And that's for the reason I talked about a minute ago, so that it can kind of get into people's hearts a little bit more and they can actually worship God with it. Uh, But don't be afraid. Like Cammie said on that, that list that's in the grave somewhere, don't be afraid. If nobody like sings a song very well after you've done it two or three times, don't be afraid to, to kill it. There was nothing wrong with the song, nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong with it. It may have worked in 500 churches. It may yeah. just not be the right tune for your congregation. It doesn't matter. Let it go. Okay. So last final question. And I think this is a really uh, great question for you because you've had the opportunity to lead worship for several decades now. <laughs> hey, hey, what are we so, doing here? Hey, I'm right there with you. So so how do you challenge relevancy when leading people who might be older or more experienced than you, especially when you know, their experience with a song or a type of music may have been several decades ago? Man, we get asked this question all the time from young leaders who are like, they're the youngest person on their team. And um, they're trying to figure out how do I lead this thing forward when other people have got way more experience than I do? And here's the bedrock or the, the core cornerstone of this whole conversation. And, and we can do a whole podcast on this at some point, but there's five ways that we have to act around people that are older than us or more experienced than us or are our bosses, you know, and when we try to lead up. The first one is to be 95% nice and 5% direct. Whenever you're not being direct, whenever we're not just like telling somebody, hey, this is where we need to go, this is what we're going to do, all the rest of those times, we need to be focused on being incredibly kind, just really nice person. Uh, should go without saying, but not everybody's like that. Number two, be good at what you do. You don't gain credibility by not working hard. You don't gain credibility of older people by being a bad leader. You always improve, always get better, always study, always ask questions, all that kind of stuff. Number three, Build relationships, not just because we have to, but because we want to and build real ones, ask questions, get to know them, go for coffee, grab a meal, spend time with their family, build relationships with people that are older than than us. Uh, Number four, lose the pride. Nothing will kill credibility as a young leader faster than pride. Nothing. Nothing will kill credibility as an older leader faster than pride. So humility is a key that unlocks a door to leadership. Be humble, like pray for humility. If you see pride, sense pride, have people tell you if you're, if you're, if you're acting prideful and fix that. 
And the last one is be respectful, like really respect your elders. It's a very good rule anyway. The next thing I would say is, so if you're in a conflict over a style or whatever, which is typically what happens between age groups, like they want to sing a song that sounds like this and you want to sing a song that sounds like that or whatever it might be, try to compile data, like real data, because it's not enough of an answer to say, hey, man, hey, grandpa, that was 1990. This is 2020. It's not enough to say, I don't really like that kind of song and nobody else does either. And so we're not going to do it anymore. That's just a terrible answer. So go get data and have that person that you're in conflict with help you put together some sort of questionnaire or, um, you know, you know, find 10 random people of various ages and ask them questions or send them a, a, a Google form or whatever it is and, and try to get them to just be honest and answer the question. And that way, when you sit down and talk about it, it's not like, hey, I don't like old songs, so we're not going to sing old songs or whatever. But it's like, let's look at the data and it looks like our congregation and our city and whatever. It looks like they've moved on from that. And, um, you know, eight out of 10 people like the direction right now. And two out of 10 people want to go back. So we're going to, you know, continue to move forward. But don't just rely on like, I want it this way and therefore it is. Get some data. It's a much stronger thing. And then the last one is have real conversations. Don't ignore you know, don't like ignore the person, then maybe maybe he'll go away or she'll go away. They, they never go away. Sit down and talk through it. Honor them enough to listen to what they have to say and, and go through a discovery process together. That's great. I mean, all of those are things that we can take away today. I'm, I'm thinking back through as you're talking and some of the things that stood out and the words and phrases that are in my mind right now are more curious, less convinced. Um, don't forget to ask great questions. Never stop learning and um, hold loosely to our personal biases. And then just this last thing with the relationships and how important that is and the humility and kindness that we always have to have. So, I mean, all of those things are ways that we can do more with less. And that's what our Worship Leader Essentials podcast is about every week. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are thankful you are here. We do this every week, so be sure to subscribe to our channel, Worship Leader Essentials Podcast, and join us next week. Have a great week and blessings to you all. Thanks.